This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I do think that I might need help. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. It sure is Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Out of context again. No Mackie. It's Judd, though. I'm Robbie. talking about. Jonathan on the other side of the glass. What was out of context? Harrison took my words out of context. He would never do that. And no. he twisted them around what to make it sound about? like I'm unstable or something. He would never do that. I'm not unstable. Jonathan has never made any of us look bad with sound bites. Last night was all about getting it out and getting it off your chest. And I, it felt good for me. I hope it felt <laughs> as good for the people who listened. Well, no, that's funny. That one was funny. <laughs> Why do I let these words come out of my mouth? <laughs> Why do I even talk weekdays four to six here on Score North? <laughs> to set yourself up to have sound bites like that grabbed by Jonathan Harrison. Or sound bites like this one if you're Judd. I prefer fatties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forget the context of that comment. It might be accurate. I don't know. I proposed a game a while back that we once a week play back some of these sound bites, and either we or listeners try and guess. Just exactly what the context was in which these well, words were let's said. Let's play that a little bit here. Can you guess the con? I don't remember the context of this one, but can you guess the context of this one from you, Rami? Like horny. Play that again. I'm sorry. Quickly. Like horny. <laughs> Where was that even from? That was at the state fair. Oh, okay. I was going to say there's <laughs> a lot no going idea. on. I have no idea. Did I say like horny? Is that what you I said? Said I like horny. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I do remember what that was. I won a unicorn. I won a stuffed unicorn at the state fair, and I named him Horny. Then there was this one from you, Rami. Five foot, 170 pound penguin will mess you up. (laughs) Oh, I remember that one. I'm so serious about it. Is is that not a serious issue? Oh, it is. Absolutely. It would be a terrifying thing. uh, That was an in-other news story about skeletons of giant penguins that had been found from a prehistoric era. Look at your memory. How do you remember that one? I have a memory. It's why I can do stand-up comedy. I have a memory only for conversation and words. And, like, dialogue. Okay. That's the only thing I have a good memory for. So if we ever do make this a game, I'll probably do pretty well at it. I was going to say, I have no chance at that. <laughs> I remember it lyrics. from the week. It wouldn't be from all Yeah, we're not time. going that far. We're not going, like, I remember weeks, lyrics to songs pretty well, and that might be it. And, I, weird, and weird little sports factoids. But the one thing I can never recall is final scores. My wife's family can do this weird thing where they'll hear a song on the radio and they'll be able to tell you what movie and what scene it's from in that movie. Ooh, that's it's good. frightening. And now my kid, who's only three years old, can do that too really? with movies he's seen. I'm like, where do you get this? I don't understand how you do this. <laughs> genetics, baby. It's frightening. <laughs> I mean, that, if that's a genetical thing, that's a really no, weird genetic even, thing. Even when I was a kid, like 
I was way too young to be watching these things, but I was watching them anyways. I could recite like 15 minutes of Eddie Murphy Raw. I could, I could, I could, I could. Wait, hold on, wait, 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 no, 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 I believe you. No, 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 let's stop right there. I totally believe you. Yeah, exactly right. What type of self-respecting parents of Rami? My parents are working way too much. They they didn't have the time to monitor. So how did you get your hands on Raw at that age? I I don't. My brother was four years older than me. I don't know. Okay. Wow. <laughs> no idea. I could do like entire I could do entire Chris Farley Saturday Night Live sketches. Like I've always just had a knack for good. memorizing dialogue and recalling conversations that I've had with people. That's one of the few things I actually have retained the brain cells for. <laughs> I don't I can't talk about that, so I can't cast stones here. I'm in no I'm in no position to judge Rami on this one. For example, at five twenty we have the quarterback sets pool challenge. I have no recollection of which quarterbacks I've taken. I should keep record of it. I think you, you guys know what? I did the keep same record thing. of it. I no, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't, and I've got the same problem. Today I'm like, who have I taken so far? Do you guys want the spreadsheet? Yeah, you know sure. You should email that to us every right. week. If you could, please. <laughs> I'll just share it like I do with the Score North Home Run League. With yeah, guys. do Here, that. Give me one please, second. Please do that. Um, let's get into some actual sports talk, if we could, though, Judd <laughs> again. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. There were a number of Game 5s last night, and uh, I'm wondering. I, I told you guys yesterday. I'm taking the DS yeah. off. Don't, be, I, I don't took, be out anymore. I, I took the DS. Get back in the pool tonight, man. Know, man. It's great. It's just, I love baseball. You know I love baseball. Yep. It's just that for like six plus months now, I've felt like every night I have to I have to go home and watch baseball. So just a little respite. I just want a little respite. Ain't it awful? It, I mean, Ain't it awful? You gotta no, go home and watch baseball. It's just a little breather. I just want to be a tough life. I just want a breather. I just want just a little just a oh, little. But not, break. Now, now is no time to take the breather. I'll be back for the for the CS. Oh man, last night was now 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 I do have game, to, I do watch SportsCenter. I have Twitter. I know what happened. Sure. <laughs> now the Braves Cardinals game was just awful, but that Dodger Nationals game last night. Especially if you didn't have a horse in the race, was so much fun. Do you guys end up feeling bad for like everybody's talking about the image of Clayton Kershaw? Do you end up feeling bad for athletes who Dude, just I saw, struggle this much in the playoffs? I saw somebody made moments? somebody made a gif of Clayton Kershaw, not a picture, but a gif of Clayton Kershaw just dejected and yeah. sitting in the dugout after that loss yesterday, and I couldn't help but feel a little bit crushed yeah. for the dude. Sure, why wouldn't you? I feel bad for him. I mean, he's by all indications great guy. Yeah, like. Walks to walk and talks to talk when it comes to his his religious beliefs and and the things you should do if if you're that type of person. Again, by all indications, walks to walk, talks to talk. Great dad, great person, great teammate. I I, I on some level, I wish he would have some success. I don't like to see bad things happen to good people, but that's that's sports, man. There, that's there's the the uh, what do they call it the uh, the uh, something of victory agony and the agony of, of defeat. defeat, the glory of victory yes. and the agony of defeat. Now here's my thing though. I feel bad for Clayton Kershaw sitting there and he's, you know, running his hand, what, through his hair or putting his hand on on his head. So I feel empathy for him as a person. Mm -hmm. But I also find that the the agony of defeat and, and continued failure of great players in situations like that, too, is what makes sports so great. Like if if you succeed, if everybody succeeds, it's no fun. I actually find the failure and and the angst and what has to be the pain that goes with that to be incredibly intriguing. Because if if they you know if players are always celebrating and stuff, right? It's like okay, that's cool, good for them. 
But a guy like Kershaw, who's had such great success throughout the majority of his career and won so many games and is almost certainly going to Cooperstown, right? For him, ultimately, the epitaph to be, but he never did this or that. I find that also, I can. I feel like I can feel empathy for him, but I also find it super intriguing. Don't you guys? I think it's intriguing. It's just, if you're this far into your career and you're this good and everybody, like you just said, he's for sure going to go to Cooperstown one day. I just want him, and he seems like a good guy. I just want him to have that success so we can stop seeing these these. But he might eventually. Yeah, he might. Or he might not, and that's going to be the story. And that's what makes sports great. Like good guys like that. I want, from what we can tell, he's a good guy. I want to see have that success so we can see that emotion instead of this emotion that we saw last night from Clayton. Well, and you know what, though, last night, make no no mistake at all, Dave Roberts, (laughs) his manager. What are you doing? Yeah. And he has to be fired, right? At some point here soon. He I think has, with the expectations for that team going into every season. He has to be fired. He's going to. But like, yeah. what are you doing? Why is Joe Kelly still pitching? And you bring in Kershaw, and Kershaw fails. And then you go to Joe Kelly. And then you bring your closer in, Rami, after it's way too late. Way too late. But nonetheless, as a as a person... Did you see what Dave Roberts said after the game? No. About the decision to go to Kershaw? No, what, what was it? Uh, he said, it's not about analytics. It's about he's one of the best pitchers in the game. I felt really good about that. It's more of, I don't think it's an analytics question. It's a guy I believe in and trust. It didn't work out. So he's saying he went with his gut. The, okay. anal- the analytics might have said otherwise. Dave Roberts went with his gut. Which borderline shocked me because... And not to say, because this is an accusation that gets thrown around in baseball a lot, that managers basically aren't doing anything, that they're messengers for the front office and the analytics department and are just pushing buttons that those people tell them to push. Right. Um, But it did seem like Dave Roberts, if he wasn't at least being guided on what to do, had totally bought into the analytics that the Dodgers rely on heavily. Because a year ago, I was covering the Brewers when they played the Dodgers in the NLCS, and they sat a bunch of their lefties because they were going against a lefty and some of their best hitters and reporters questioned the decision. And he basically threw his hands up in the air and said, Hey, this is what our analytics department said is the right thing to do. That's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist of, of his answer to those questions. Like this is what the people upstairs say is the smart thing to do. And now here, here he is saying, I went with Clayton Kershaw because of my gut and not analytics. It doesn't, it doesn't, those two things don't jive. And why, why on earth would you put in a guy like that who's had playoff failure before? It's just very bizarre. The Joe Kelly thing is beyond bizarre. And the fact that Joe Kelly was allowed to stay in that game so long. But I'm sorry. If you're the Dodgers, you got to come downstairs and be like, okay, that didn't work. But the, this is the weird thing about baseball now, too, that I don't get and I don't get. Because so much of of the decision-making in the sport is now a collaborative process, right? Because it's, you know, Theo Epstein, Epstein, Joe Madden. Okay, here's what I don't get. Kershaw last night, and if that's true, if if Roberts truly said, well, it's just my gut feeling and he can do this and blah, 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 and you're totally wrong about that. Or game one, Yankee Stadium, three runs down and Rocco brings in Kyle Gibson? That's another one that didn't make sense. And, yeah, and I'm telling you that. Well, Rocco's whole whole handling of the bullpen. No, but in game I, one but I'm saying, but but where I'm confused is who's making these calls and how? Because before that game, Levine had flat out told us on the field that you're going to see top relievers used in this series, 
when teams are down by six runs, because especially in that stadium, you're not done yet. So now you're down by three, which in that stadium should be nothing, right? Three runs, Twins offense. Now, in in retrospect, they didn't do much. But at that point, it's game one, and you're thinking they can still score five or six runs in this game. And somebody's choice, I guess it was Rocco's, is let's go to Kyle Gibson. So I become confused about how much of this is actually a collaborative process of in X, Y, and Z, here's what we all think that we should do for the best of the team. And to what you just said, which is my gut tells me here. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Because if you're going to go with this think tank process, then that's absolutely fine. But are you telling me that every now and then in what should be considered absolutely crucial situations, you're going to veer off completely and be like, my gut's telling me down here in the dugout, so I'm going to put in Kyle Gibson or Clayton Kershaw. And the funniest thing is... Explain it to me. I'm The day before... Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The Rays manager. um, Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash. He said... Yeah, I don't go on gut feeling because usually when you're going on gut, that means you're not prepared. Well, and it's also emotional. Right. And, and playoff games are the worst time. To get like, emotional. Like right. if you go gut feeling on June 24th, I don't really give a damn. Go go ahead, knock yourself out. But playoff games, the intensity there, and you're going to go gut feeling then? That's a really weird time. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Did you find yourself uh, as somebody who follows and on some level, roots for the Twins. A little jealous last night, watching all this Game 5 action. Yes, absolutely. Three of the four, three of the four series go five games, right? Three of the four. And I understand that the Braves-Cardinals game was a complete bust. But I'm watching Dodgers-Nats last night. Or tonight I'm going to sit down and watch um, uh, Rays-Astros. Rays-Astros, which was supposed to go three for sure. Astros won first two games. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, they're not going to get a game. Tampa, they're going to go home and get beat. And now that's going five. Would it really been that much to ask for the Minnesota Twins to win one game? Like, let's get, let's have it go four. Win game three. Let's have it go four. Am I jealous as a baseball fan? 1,000%. Aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. There's no question. I mean, I've, I've had, not to brag or anything, but on some level or another, whether it was my rooting interest or the team who I covered, who I also had sort of a rooting interest for up in middle or down in Milwaukee. I've had postseason baseball of some sort to 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 have to that I have interest in and deep you, deep into you've been really fortunate deep in deep into the postseason for five seasons straight now yeah and now three three games for the Twins this year and that run was over and now it is kind of I have to get used to again not having any sort of rooting interest in the playoffs moving forward this is this is a new thing for me this early in October at least in the last five years. It is. It's a weird thing. I don't know if it's jealous or if it's just I got to get used to this again. I'm, I'm just je- watching teams I have no rooting interest in other than I want bad things to happen to the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> I'm jealous of the fact that we couldn't get more than three games and everybody else got five. Absolutely. And I do not look at the Yankees and say, insurmountable. This is exactly what was going to take place, right? If any series, when these uh, DSs started... If you came to me and said, okay, what's the sweep here? I would have said Astros. Astros sweep. Rays are a nice team. Great story. They get swept, right? Yeah. Everybody else probably goes four or five games. Um, Now, I I would have picked the Dodgers, and I probably, in retrospect, also would have picked the Braves. But I would have said, the the sweep here, Houston sweeps them out. I wouldn't have... I, I am still surprised 
And I, I guess it's naivety on my part, but I am still surprised that the Twins lasted three games and that's it. I would have thought, well, I thought they'd last five and win, but okay, worst case, four games. So yes, I'm jealous, I'm upset, I feel bamboozled, I feel dumb, I'm not happy. Let astray? Not happy. Yeah, I was led astray. <laughs> Rocco led me astray. Does the fact that the other three series yes. in the DS went five games, does that A, change your thought on how, or change your thought on the sweep and change your thought on the twin season as a whole? No, I still, me personally, I still look at it as the randomness of baseball. Okay. I don't think the Yankees were, they were the better team. There's no denying that, and I'd sound like a sore loser if I sat here and said anything otherwise. They were, they're the better team. And not just in those three games, looking back on it now, I was looking through Twins colored glasses thinking they were as good, if not better, than those Yankees. The Yankees are better. But the gap, the margin, isn't as wide as it looked in those three games. I still chalk it up to postseason randomness. I mean, postseason randomness is everywhere. The Rays should not be in this series with the Astros. When you look at what those two teams are on paper, baseball is... Billy Bean, the GM and now president of the Oakland A's, he has the a formula for how to put together winning baseball teams. And he flat out admits his formula doesn't work in the postseason because it's just too random for any formula to work in the postseason. When you're talking about 162 games, Mm -hmm. you're talking about a huge sample size where it's easier to predict what's going to happen over the course of those 162 games using the data and the analytics that they have. The sample size is so small in the postseason that data and analytics can't really predict What's going to happen? It's just, it's almost totally random what happens in October in Major League Baseball. The season was fun, so no, I have no problem there. And, and I, I think the way that I rationalize this to myself is what was a starting pitching was not great, but a team that could definitely hit and the bullpen was good, they choked. I think the Twins choked. I, I think that they, the Yankees were ultimately. Better, but the Twins at the plate absolutely choked. But that doesn't t- take away the fact that from April to September was fun, and I think that's a good team. And here's my thing, though. I will be absolutely beside myself, PO'd angry, if they don't co- come back next e- next season and be very, very good. So this is not, to me, a one-season jump-up that was fun. This was the start of what needs to be. And that's not saying that they're going to win World Series. That's not saying that they're going to have some type of unbelievable playoff success, although it would be nice to end a 16-game losing streak there. But my expectation is that this is now a launching pad for a team that's going to be very good for an extended period of time. This in no way, shape, or form should have been just a fun year. This this should have been a the first of several steps that takes this team to being aggressive, designing, or trading for pitching, starting pitching, and makes them very good. And if that's not the case, I will be very upset in 2020. I don't doubt that they're a young team who's poised to compete for years to come, but they don't exist in a vacuum. And I think the White Sox are coming on strong. They right. have some young talent. But this should be a great fight now. Yes. That's what I'm saying is I want to see everybody punching at the top, but I do not want to see any type of uh, backslide that is, oh man, that was fun, and this year's just not fun. So I want the White Sox, Cleveland, and the Twins next year to be punching away and all to be good. I even think the Royals might just be a couple pieces away from competing. They have mm. the guy who led, who won the batting title in the American League and went Merrifield, 
and the guy who led Major League Baseball in home runs in Jorge Soler. Those are two pretty good pieces to have in your lineup. Now it's a ma- and they have some other guys, some other young players too, who showed some flashes and some promises here. It's a matter of putting pieces around them. But the White Sox and the Royals have some pieces to surround with some Which is why the Twins have to go get pitching. And take the next step. And the Indians aren't going anywhere right. anytime soon. But you have to go get starting pitching, and, and you have to be either uh, two things. One, willing to spend significantly, which is going to hurt financially, or two, willing to part with pieces. And if that in, if that involves a Kirilov or a Lewis or I don't know whom, but it's going to be tough to do. There's no way that you're going to fill the, the gaps that, exe- that exist with the starting pitching unless you make moves that on the date that you make those moves are going to come with some pain too, right? Yeah. That's my feeling. I agree. And I don't want, and there's no excuses for that not to happen now. Agreed. Go get Garrett Cole, or or we will never forgive you. Uh, it would and be Levine. nice if they get Garrett Cole. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, we will uh, switch gears and talk some Vikings and NFL football. It's Sage Football Wisdom with Sage Rosenfels right after this. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Hey, guys, it's Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. I want to talk to all you business owners out there. I've been a business owner myself. I know what goes into it. You love the ups and you love the elations, but you're also grinding on a daily basis, solving problems, taking care of employees, and sometimes even being around your employees more than your own family. So it helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running said business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You get a face-to-face relationship and get over a century of experience in Federated, helping businesses become as successful as they can be. It's a Minnesota-based company down in Owatonna, and their website is a very powerful tool for all of you business owners. Federatedinsurance.com to find out about the industries that Federated protects, and Federatedinsurance.com to find your Federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Join Dan Terra, Callum Williams, Kinder D. St. Albert, and Jamie Watson and myself on Sunday, October 20th for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs from Allianz Field pregame at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30 on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Welcome back in. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the all-new Score North mobile app. Rami Makloff, Judd Zolgad, and it is time for Sage Football Wisdom with our journeyman QB, Sage Rosenfels, who joins us now. Sage, how are you this afternoon, my friend? I'm doing great. Really enjoying this downpour of rain that's been going on <laughs> since the middle of the night and supposed to go on all day. And it was nice to wake up to about 60 degrees here in Omaha. And supposedly by this evening, it's going to be about 39 degrees. So I love this beautiful fall weather. At least you're getting 60. We, I mean, it's like in the 40s or low 50s here. Yeah, we're not supposed to get snow. We're supposed to just get uh, a, a lot of rain. But I, I do hear you're supposed to get some possible, some, some early snow flurries, uh, up there in the Twin Cities, but I will be in Mexico this weekend mm. uh, at a wedding for my cousin, so I'm going to have to miss that, which is a real bummer. No, Sage, it's because you are now, and I'd like to offer you congratulations. <laughs> I saw your tweet. You are a rich, rich man. You have, I saw, you got a note, an email from a lawyer that you've inherited $12.5 million. Whoa. Whoa. That's this is just a, yeah, waiting great for you. News. I this mean, is a, congratulations. This I, is, you I, hit the jackpot. I looked out the window this morning, saw the weather, felt down, you know, just sort of in those bummer moods. Mm-hmm. And then I opened up my email and 
Michael Rosenfels. I guess there's a Michael Rosenfels out there, and his personal attorney has sent me an email. Wow. Twelve point five million headed my way. I just have to send over some banking. Are you going to continue? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to send over? I mean, if, Social Security, no problem. You've got that. I mean, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever he needs, it's twelve point five. Exactly. I mean, can I send a child over to him? I mean, that's you know whatever you, I can get. Will you continue to be our journeyman QB now that you're not with your newfound riches? I don't. Well, yeah. Well, okay. be, I'll be journeying more. I'll be traveling all over the world. I mean, this is going to be great. And and luckily, I have to go to Nigeria to pick up the money, pick up the check. Uh, I hear it's beautiful. So supposedly, it's a, a prince has it currently, but he's going to give it to me. It's a small price to pay, Sage. All of these things, uh, Social Security, credit card information, all of this going to Nigeria, a small price to pay. The only thing is, uh, I'm told that Iowa State has called and wants at least two mil up front. <laughs> well, and yes. they'll name something after you, like a first down marker or something? Yeah, they'll name the, they'll name the quarterback room after me if I give them a million bucks. <laughs> Sage that's Rosenfeld's that's quarterback room. Well, Sage, let me ask you this. Is what we saw from Kirk Cousins on Sunday the Nigerian prince with $12.5 million of quarterbacks, or was there something real there? Well, I, I think we, you know, when you see Kirk Cousins with time, and when you see, you know, and those types of things, and against defenses that aren't as good, Kirk plays pretty well. I mean, there's a, a, a long sort of trend here at this point against the best teams, he doesn't play well, and against the average to below average teams, he does play well. And and you, you play the Giants, and and he made them look bad. And and to be honest with you, I thought the Giants were going to put up a better fight, and they obviously did not. But uh, you know, whatever happened last week, this week. The Eagles game this week, man, I, this is a true test for this football team uh, and a true test for Kirk Cousins. This is the number one ranked team defensively against the run. They're only giving up 63 yards a game. So obviously the Vikings want to run the football, and the Eagles stopped the run so well. So something's going to have to give there. And, and my guess is, and, and I, of course I love the fact the way the Vikings run the football, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to, to run the ball. And if anything I know about, Stefanski and Kubiak is they are both smart guys, and when you keep running into brick walls and getting zeros and ones, they're not going to do that the whole game. So uh, they'll try to run the football, and they actually will understand that you know ones and twos and threes are are okay because you can't throw the ball sixty times a game. But this game, this week. This is where we're gonna. This is where Kirk has to step up. This is one of those games that he's gonna have to step up going against another uh, a quarterback who's you know I, you know I think probably a top ten guy, maybe a top five guy if he can stay healthy uh, in the league in Carson Wentz. And uh, so this is gonna be a, a true true test because the Eagles are twenty seventh in the league in pass defense, but number one in the league in rush defense. So Sage, let's start uh, pre breakdown of Cousins here. Let's start with game plan then be- because. The uh, Philly has problems in the secondary. A couple cornerbacks are hurt there. They can get pressure, though. They can get sacks, though. So, as you said, I believe that they are uh, tops in the league, uh, only giving up 63 rushing yards per game. So, just from a standpoint of, of Stefanski and Kubiak, what's the game plan going in to either try and buy Kirk the protection that he needs to actually pass against these guys, or what should the starting point be to be as successful as possible on Sunday, knowing that you know just giving the ball to Dalvin Cook is probably going to be, at times, a trying problem? 
Yeah, this is not going to be week one where Kirk's going to throw 10 passes right. or week three where he throws 21. I truly believe he's going to have to throw 30 uh, to even up to 40 passes this week. Uh, obviously, we'll see if the Vikings have the lead or they're behind, and that's usually how the game plan sort of flows. But you know, going into it, let, let's just say that he's going to throw 30 balls, right? And you'd like to Kirk go you know, 22 of 30 or something like that. Uh, that's That would be a nice game. But it, how many of those are going to be just straight drop back, where whether he's in shotgun, whether he's under center, where he's going back, whether it's five steps or seven steps and taking a hitch or two, I got to think they're thinking of any way they can minimize those types of plays. So play action plays, the bootleg game, which worked really, really well for uh, the last couple of games, but terrible against the Packers and how the Packers played it and the defensive ends are up the field. Uh, is it more wide receiver screens or the running back and tight end screens? Uh, anything they can do to throw passes that aren't Kirk staying in the pocket and taking the heat from guys like Fletcher Cox because they have one of the best pass rushing and run stopping defensive lines in the NFL. And uh, anytime they can get the ball out to their playmakers to feel into digs shoot to bc johnson at this point and obviously dalvin cook in space get the ball to your play, playmakers i look at this game as like a hot potato game if i'm the quarterback get that ball out of my hands get to my playmakers hands and let them do something with it you touched on it there could the screen game be a secret weapon when you face a defense like the eagles who can rush the passer but is also very good against the run can that be sort of your run game just get it out to dalvin cook in the flat yeah, and that's huge. It's, you know, there's multiple types of screens. There's obviously your classic, you know, the quarterback drops back and the running back steps up and then he sort of finds his little spot and, and you have your running back screens. You've got play action tight end screens where the, you know, the tight end has to block the defensive end who that's always a challenge. But then, oh, we rush too hard and now boom, you hit to the tight end and there's a screen there. And obviously you have your, your wide receiver sort of quick screens where the quarterback gets the ball and, and, and you know, Stefan Diggs takes one step upfield and then, you know, comes inside for some sort of screen with a maybe a lineman or two out in front of him. So you have you know three or four types of different screens there. You know, plus that bootleg game. But you know anything to to move the pocket to get out to get to uh, to get the ball out of Kirk's hand so he's not you know sitting there holding it because if he has to hold it in the pocket for twenty times a game. I gotta think on, you know, seven of those, he's gonna get hit. I mean, he gets, this quarterback has a very high sort of hit rate, whether the combination of him not being a great athlete, uh, and an offensive line which struggles on pass protection, uh, you can't have him sit there holding the pocket. So yeah, any type of screen they can throw, and I think they'll be, they'll be okay with sort of having a conservative approach by, you know, I said, throwing a screen, whether it's a wide receiver screen or a running back screen on a, you know, third long situation, uh, rather than having, you know, a Kirk hold the ball in that pocket. Now, if they do, feel like they have to uh, uh, straight drop back. You know, it's third and 12. They have to have it. They can't, you know, sort of game plan it uh, in a sense of some special play like a screen or like a draw or whatever. They really have to get a first down. That's when I see whether it's Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph as tight end and the running back in chip mode, whether it's, you know, trying to help with the inside guys or help with those outside guys, pass rushers, so all the guard, the guards in the center can stay inside and really focus on the two down linemen. I could see that being a part of game plan. They're not going to get out near as much and be a part of the passing game, but it'll allow Thielen and Diggs uh, and BC to get down the field uh, to try to make something happen to win against this fairly poor secondary. So, Sage, one, one thing that we talked about um, coming into this year, especially with Gary now playing a key role in the design of this offense, was the tight end's involvement, right? And we always said, and go, going back to your time, you know, the tight end has always been a, a, a predominant part of his plan. And I would say 
through, through the good and bad of five games so far, that there has been nothing really, really super surprising here except for that. Do, do you think that this offense has, has morphed away through the years from the tight end involvement, or are we on the precipice of it coming back? It just has not been used yet through five weeks. But let's say, Sage, by week eight or nine, Irv Smith is going to be catching, I don't know, take your pick, four balls per game or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be nice if both Rudy and Irv were, were catching, you know, two, three, four balls a game, you know, more than they are now. Obviously, you know, Irv's got five catches uh, and Kyle's got six catches. I mean, those are sort of pretty out, you know, outstandingly bad numbers, uh, you know, through five football games. That's basically two, two catches a game for our tight ends total. Yeah. That's not very good. And not in a traditional West Coast system, you go back to the days of uh, you know Brett Jones with the with the San Francisco 49ers I mean uh, and all the tight ends since then they've always had success in this West Coast system the real issue is the fact that the Vikings just haven't thrown that many passes I mean Dalvin Cook's leading the team with 21 catches Thielen's got 20 and Stefan Diggs 16 I mean uh, it's it's really more about all the stats are down as far as you know pass receiving but they've also had a couple games where they've barely had to throw the football again 10 uh, and 21 and and you know not all that many uh, in their last one either so they haven't had to throw the ball a ton uh, and so all the numbers you know have been down but the good thing is the rushing uh, is up and you know Dalvin Cook's got 92 attempts he's averaging you know six yards uh, a carry and, and and Madison 5.6 a carry that's great news and so they haven't had to throw the football as much and so uh, you know all the receivers are down but in, in particular those tight ends are definitely way down and I think you know, also part of it is, you know, Rudy, uh, he's not a guy you could sort of displace and, and put out wide as sort of a wide receiver type and run individual routes with. And I think Ur Smith someday will be that. But being that he's a rookie, maybe they're not right, quite ready for him to run slants and stop routes and these sort of individual routes that some teams really help, you know, try to focus on the tight end like a Zach Ertz does. We'll see that with the Eagles this week. Uh, I, I think they're in a special situation where, Kyle's older in his career, doesn't have that sort of vertical speed, and Irv is just this young, raw, you know, athletic tight end that I see great potential in. They just haven't found a way to get those guys the ball yet. Sage Football Wisdom with Sage Rosenfels here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Obviously a lot of drama leading up to last week's game against the Giants between Kirk Cousins and his wide receivers. It looks like things are cool between Kirk and Adam Thielen after the day that, that Thielen had on Sunday, but Stephon Diggs still just four targets, three receptions in that game. And I felt like Sage, especially when they got up, they had an opportunity to to feed Stephon Diggs and make him happy. Is that something that you would try and design into the game plan or or maybe even force a little bit just to try and put out this fire between Stephon Diggs and the Vikings and, and make that guy happy? Uh, I think trying to make somebody happy on a football team takes away from the overall team itself. And, you know, I think there's ways to, you know, make Stefan the number one guy in some of the reads. Like, hey, we're going to come back and Stefan's the number one guy, whether it's a shallow route or a post route or whatever. Let's look for him to get, to get hit in the ball. If he's not there, you have to move on. If you try forcing the ball to people, that's when interceptions happen. That's when bad things happen. So uh, I, I think as a quarterback, you just have to go through your reads. You know, Gary Kubiak and Stefanski, they're going to have a game plan, and they're going to have reads for their quarterback to go through. Uh, you know, sometimes it's based off of coverage. Sometimes what we call a pure progression read, which is there's definitely a one, two, three, four versus all defenses. Uh, and the, the, the only way you can try to get somebody the ball is try to make them as the first or second sort of go-to person in those pure progression reads. Otherwise, a lot of times coverage uh, dictates where a quarterback goes with the football, and, and obviously defenses know that you know Thielen and 
digs are so good, they're trying to do all types of things to take, uh, you know, coverage-wise to take the ball away, from, you know, from them, and uh, which is allowing you know guys like BC Johnson, who hasn't even played that much, to already have eight catches. Sage, do you recall? And this might be just because we are watching these teams right now, but do you recall? Like this league has always had some bad teams. But it feels to me like watching the Giants, and, and I know they beat Chicago last week, but when we watched Oakland here and, and Atlanta, which has turned out to sort of be a dumpster fire, and, of course, this conversation starts with the uh, Miami Dolphins, it feels to me like we have more just awful teams than ordinarily. It fe- I, I think a lot of times we've got okay teams. They're sort of meh, but right now it, I just feel like I'm watching week after week a lot of teams that are just awful. There's some bad football out there. Yeah. That, that is absolutely <laughs> true. I, I actually, I would, I want to call it the Washington dumpster fires because I personally just don't love saying that name uh, of their football team. But also, just the whole city's a dumpster fire. It seems like right now. So I like Washington dumpster fires is the new name uh, for that they franchise. The Dodgers but last night, man, the Nationals are just fine. <laughs> that's true. That's just true. Dave Roberts. <laughs> this is true. Shape. This is true. Um, but uh, yeah, but you know, if you look at a lot of these teams. Um, one, it's about leadership, which starts at ownership, and that's Washington's problem. And I think that's part of Miami's problem because, you know, Ross has never owned, uh, been in sports or owned a football team before, and there's definitely a learning curve there. The problem is in Washington, it's been 20 years of learning curve, and Dan Snyder hasn't figured it out yet. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that is when, when people want to fire the head coach quickly, you know, Mike Zimmer this or, or whoever, uh, you got to realize when you start over, you are like sort of starting from scratch of all the little details of your offense and your defense and how things go and and every season is like a learn, learning uh, situation and that's why those teams that have for the most part that have had coaches that have been there for a long time in particular of course New England but the coaches that have been there for a longer time they have this. Uh, uh, it's much easier to have success. We see it with Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. We saw it with Andy Reid a long time when he was in that Phil, when he was in Philadelphia. But those coaches that stay there for long periods of time, they immediately have an advantage uh, over those teams that have those fresh coaches. And we continually see these sort of dumpster fire teams of the NFL continually roll over their coaches. And that's no different in Washington now. And obviously, you know, Miami, who's had a, a number of co- new coaches over the last few years. Did you have a chance to catch Baker Mayfield on Monday? I did. I watched some of that game. What is going on with that guy? Because he came into this season, first of all, he has all the weapons around him that a guy could ask for, and we saw flashes last year that had some people thinking, A, that the Browns were a Super Bowl contender this year, and B, Baker Mayfield was an MVP candidate. Neither of those things look to be the case at this point, Sage. And isn't that a shame? Isn't that just? Doesn't that just make your make your stomach sick that Baker's not having success after going to Oklahoma? You are torn up about it. Oh, it bothers Thank me. Thank God it you totally got that mill or Your week would be. I, yeah, I need to connect him with that lawyer. Maybe that'll, that'll help him out. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple issues here. I, a lot of people had their thought their defense would be better than their playing, but their offensive line is really bad uh, in Cleveland. And yes, he does have these weapons, and I love the running back. I think Chubb is an absolute absolute stud and obviously they've got those weapons at receiver and they've got a young tight end that they like but when your o-line is bad as, as vikings fans know it's hard uh to have a really productive quarterback and and i do think baker mayfield is a very good quarterback or could be a very good quarterback uh but i also look at it as this i you know freddie kitchens he, he, you saw a lot of good stuff last year when he was the coordinator 
but this year I am not seeing, um, uh, you know, I'm not seeing great designs of plays and, and great game plans that are allowing, you know, people to get open and, you know, they're barely, you know, getting uh, Odell Beckham Jr. the football. I think he had like four targets last week and, you know, he is a premier uh, receiver as well and you can't be all that happy. So it, it feels like a little bit uh, sort of the early beginnings of a almost a toxic thing in Cleveland. You could tell. I don't know about you guys, but I could tell watching that game last week. I bet you it bothers Odell Beckham that he's in Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, he's just one of those guys. I feel like he's at LSU, which is you know in the SEC and one of those main schools. You know, probably treated as a god down there in Baton Rouge. Then he goes to the New York Giants, in which you have like the global stage uh, every single day at your at your fingertips. And he ends up in Cleveland, and you can just tell he's he he'll he'll say that he's fine and and loves it there and blah blah blah. It, he, he does not have that energy that he had in New York. He doesn't have that hop in his step. So I think overall there, there's just, there's a lot of smoke going on, uh, with sort of outside issues and Baker talking trash and, and all these different things. And, and, uh, it just, that does not, it does not seem to be a, it's like the opposite of a sort of Bill Belichick environment to let's keep it in house and stay away from any sort of distractions and, and constantly give your opponents all kinds of praise, even if they are a dumpster fire, just praise them. Anyway, uh, the the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield don't have that you know type of mentality. They're not very humble. It feels like to me, and sometimes and very often in the NFL that comes back to haunt you. What did you make of the whole uh, DAP gate between Richard Sherman and Baker Mayfield? Sherman saying he didn't shake his hand. Then video coming out showing he did shake his hand. Sherman said he didn't like the handshake, and that Baker ran off right after the coin flip. Felt he was disrespected. Then Sherman said he's going to apologize to Baker Mayfield. Does any of this matter? Sage Rosenfeld. Uh, it's just annoying to me. Like I, I hate this is the stuff I hate about the NFL. But this is the <laughs> stuff that you know sells clicks. And there's 32 franchises. And I, my mom used to say when I was playing that the NFL is like the greatest. You know, I grew up. Uh, you know, I'd be home from school sick or something, and she'd be doing the laundry, and and she'd be watching. Uh, you know, all my children, or you know, one of these uh, <laughs> soap grandma, operas, grandma, right? I love that. Oh my right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. All my yeah. So or or General Hospital. Yep. The NFL. My mom would say. The NFL really is the ultimate soap opera. You've got 32 teams, which basically means 32 billionaire owners, of course, other than the Packers. You've got head coaches, uh, big egos. You've got quarterbacks and receivers. and I mean, there's just drama all the time, and so that's why teams try to stay away from it. Uh, you know, But this situation, uh, it, it seems like you know Baker just sort of attracts it. And again, it, it works in college when you're in Oklahoma, and you're probably better than, at least with athlete-wise, than every single team you play other than maybe Texas one time a year and whatever the bowl game is going to be. Uh, it, it doesn't work as well in the NFL, and, and and I, you know, uh, you know, Richard Sherman, whatever the video came out, whatever. At the end of the day, is this that after the coin toss happens, usually teams do go back and shake hands with each other, and you know, and there's just sort of that thing here, and Baker just runs off. And uh, uh, I mean, whatever. I, I, that's not the way I would do it if I was a quarterback or if I was a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. But I'm not Baker Mayfield, and, and he has his way of motivating himself, and it's worked for which worked very well in the past. It's not working really great this year, but we will see how his sort of soap opera career, uh, you know, uh, ends up going forward.
Sage, last thing. So you were selected in 2001 out of Iowa State by the Washington Football Club in the fourth round and spent one year there before going to the Dolphins. Give us your favorite <laughs> Daniel Snyder story that sort of encapsulates. I, I mean, this whole, you're, you're right. This goes, this is not a coach problem. It's not a player problem. This is an owner problem. When did you, how long did it take you to catch on to the fact that this guy was just not really in what we would call an effective National Football League owner? Well, you know, I was only there for like, you know, one year, I guess about 18 months, I guess. It was two training camps. Uh, I can't say I really ever had much of a conversation with him. But did Um, you see anything? Did you? uh, Well, I know this. When we would go out to practice, you knew Snyder was going to be there if there were two, these two white, uh, sort of like leather looking, you know, soft chairs sitting by the practice uh, field. And it was, it was going to be him and like his special guest of the day, you know, some wow. politician or some other super wealthy person. We had a practice one time where, where Snyder landed his helicopter on the other practice field. That occurred, you know, that which I thought was odd at the time. But, you know, heck, I don't know. I'm a rookie. I don't really know anything, right? Right. Um, the oddest thing that ever happened. Uh, that I can now that, that I'm thinking about can go, can go back to is, you know, 2001. I am there. We, we, we're week one. We get our, our tails kicked. Uh, week two is 9 11. And 9 11 occurs on the Tuesday. Uh, you know, obviously we end up, we are going into practice on a Wednesday, but no one really knows what's going to happen. They end up canceling all that, the, that Sunday's game on Wednesday afternoon. And before we all go back home at like noon or whatever on, on that Wednesday, uh, we decide that on, I think, I think it was either Thursday or Friday that the entire team's going to get on some buses and go down to, uh, the Pentagon, um, and, and check it out and then go to the, uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, which is right there up the road from the Pentagon in Arlington Cemetery. And so we go there, and we had sort of a service uh, there where we got, there was all these benches and stuff, and we sat, and I think Marty Schottenheimer spoke, if I recall, and Dan Snyder uh, uh, spoke. And uh, it, it sort of struck me as odd, and a lot of players died, that he said something like, we need to win this year uh, for the people of D.C. Uh, because of the 9-11 situation. And it just sort of felt weird to me, like that, that, that was a motivator, uh, for our owner that, like, that's why we should win. It's, it's, it's it, to me, 9-11 made football seem like it was so unimportant. Right. And here it seemed like he was trying to motivate us, uh, by this terrible attack that just occurred. And literally, you know, probably a mile down the road was the Pentagon, which was still on fire. That's an astonishing lack of awareness. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's a very interesting story. It's not surprising considering it's him. That's amazing. Well, you know, listen. When when somebody becomes a billionaire, yep. uh, which is just an astronomical amount of money, like no one can really fathom that. Uh, that especially at a very very young age, at like thirty five, thirty six years old. I always say, like you know, when when you give an NFL player a ton of money, yep. that's like the worst way to make them more mature. You know, getting money at a very young age is not the fastest track to maturity. It usually ends up being just the opposite. And and again, that franchise has uh, it's 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 it starts and stops with the owner. And there's reasons why a lot of teams have consistent either competitive teams or winning teams. Uh, and there's reasons why teams don't. And uh, it always starts and stops with the owner. Uh, and that owner is Dan Snyder. And and you can ask almost any former player, and they don't have a lot of good things to say about him. Sage Football Wisdom with Sage Rosenfels every Thursday here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Catch him Mondays and Wednesdays on Purple Daily with Matthew Collar. Appreciate it, Sage. Thanks a lot, man. See you, Sage. All right, guys. Looking forward to next Bye-bye. week.
Sage will be back next Thursday here on Mackie and Judd with Rami with more Sage football wisdom. Did you see the LeVar Arrington, what he said about yes. working for amazing. Daniel Snyder? Yes. Everyone you is to Mr. refer Snyder? to him as Mr. Snyder, and if you're not of a certain level or status within the Redskins organization, you are not to look at him. Yep. Don't, don't you dare look at that man. Yep, he, That's always astonishing to me. He played for him that, and covered him yeah. and said that these were rules. It's always astonishing to me that people, like, you hear that, like, as tongue-in-cheek, like somebody is so big and so full of themselves that they don't let you look at them. It's always, it's mind-blowing to me, whatever, that is actually a thing. I, I, the, the ego that it must take to have that rule is just... Well, I think another, you said it perfectly. World, another he, world. He has me. he has no awareness. No self awareness. He thinks he's that important. Right. But what's but if he had good football teams and knew what he was doing and was a jackass, you'd be like, oh, okay, I sort of get that. But he has no idea what he's doing. It's twenty years of just awful football, and he thinks he's important. It's funny from here, but and how do you? And let's just quickly, thing. quickly. The one thing too is, how do you not? Number one, years ago. Change that name. Right. Like Indians, Braves, okay, you know, okay, it's tribal, What? whatever. Nah, probably not, but... It's their history and tradition, Judd. But <laughs> seriously, but how do you... How do you not say, you know what, this is just... It's just truly offensive. Because they have pride in their history and their tradition. It's almost who they are. And do you really want to take that away from them? And it's 20 years of just awful football. Hey, postseason baseball is over in Minnesota. That might be Rob Manfred's fault. We'll get to that at 5 o'clock. But postseason <laughs> soccer is coming to Minnesota. Yeah. We'll talk about that right after this. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with your Score North download. We'll use this download to remind you of something we have on our podcast network. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. Join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition. On demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. Thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and that nifty, handy, dandy, totally, totally free Score North mobile app and the home of Minnesota United Soccer. And joining us now to talk about that with the first season at Allianz Field in the books and some playoff soccer up ahead is the CEO of those Minnesota United. It is Chris Wright. Chris, how are you this afternoon, sir? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. First year in Allianz Field in the books. What are after after experiencing it for a season? What were some of the highlights? Some of your favorite things? And the first year in any stadium, you don't know what you don't know. Is there anything after the first year where you go, eh, maybe we have to fix that or make that a little bit better? Um, you know what I mean. Uh, the two, two or three uh, sort of uh, thoughts, highlights. Uh, Number one, the home opener against NYCFC in New York. Um, you know, two days before that game, there were eight and a half inches of snow on the ground. Um, I think that that was a highlight um, in, in just watching our grounds crew sort of clear the field so that we could open Allianz Field the way that we did. Um, I would say another highlight was the fact that we sold out every single home game um, during the season. I would say another highlight uh, was that we only lost once. Um, and we sang Wonderwall many, many times, um, you know, inside of the stadium during the season. And then they, the sort of the, um, the cherry on top, if you like, is making the playoffs number one, but then securing a, a home game. Uh, and then ironically playing, you know, one of the most iconic franchises that there are 
you know, in the MLS, the LA Galaxy, um, uh, next Sunday, week on Sunday, is, is going to be truly remarkable with a great atmosphere. So lots of highlights during the season. Hey, Chris, what's this like, too, to go from, you know, the first two years expansion franchise uh, playing in, in not your stadium to not only opening Allianz Field, but then in year one in that stadium becoming a playoff team? Yeah, I mean, there's, there is so much to that question. I mean, number one, you're playing in a third-party stadium, so you're playing in TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, thank you, Gophers, for allowing us to play there for two years. But you're playing on turf. Um, you know, uh, we we really believe that our game should be played on grass. Uh, there are a number of teams still inside of the MLS that play on turf. We played against one of them on Sunday in Seattle. Um, but, um, you know, the fact that we have now moved into our own stadium, uh, soccer-specific stadium built, for uh, our game and built um, a grass field, um, you know, it's just absolutely incredible. And obviously, you build a roster um, in those first two years. Obviously, the number of goals that we gave up, the, the different players that we went through, we always knew that by the time we got to Allianz Field, we had to have a roster that was very, very competitive, uh, and we were able to build that. So. Um, outside of that is building an atmosphere and experience for our fans that is second to none. And I, I really believe that Allianz Field has created that for us. There is an incredible buzz in the marketplace relative to the stadium itself and the atmosphere that the stadium generates for games. And that will be, um, quote unquote on steroids, you know, on the 20th when we play our first home playoff game. So they will be louder, bigger than they have been all season. And, you know, hopefully we have that home pitch advantage and are able to win in front of them. How do you think you guys match up with Zlatan and the uh, L.A. Galaxy for that playoff game in a couple of weeks, Chris? Well, I, I, I put ourselves up against anybody inside of that stadium. Um, you know, everybody, um, you know, used their own sort of um, adjective before we actually opened the stadium. Could we create a cathedral to the game? Could we create a fortress? Uh, could we have the loudest environment of any soccer stadium in the country? Um, you know, Wonderwall is uh, just a thing to behold. Our supporters groups are just absolutely incredible. The traditions that we've built inside of this. So all of that goes to say, you know, um, they're all behind this team. And when our team walks out into that stadium, we've created an environment where they have performed very, very, very well uh, this season. And hopefully that, you know, goes into the playoffs with us. L.A. is a very good team. Um, you know, arguably one of the best teams in the league underperformed a little bit based on their roster build this year. Uh, but we have only lost one game in Allianz Field all season long, and we don't want that to change now. That is Chris Wright, CEO of the Minnesota Wild. They take on the LA Galaxy. What did I say, Jonathan? You just corrected me in my ear. Did I really? Minnesota United, they play soccer, not hockey. I got this. And uh, you can catch them a week from Sunday at Allianz Field. Chris, appreciate it. Good luck in the playoffs. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Chris. Anytime. And uh, you can hear that right here on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com, your home for Minnesota United Soccer and Jonathan Harrison on uh, pre-halftime and post-game shows.
Jonathan Harrison's a star. He is. Well, the star, he's the star of those broadcasts. No question about it. That's no what I'm going with. It's not, it sounds good, and plus, it's going to help me the next time we have cram session. We're late for a break? I just call him a star. <laughs> We're late I'm not worried about the break. I'm worried about winning cram session. <laughs> We're late for a break. You have to tell everybody why Rob Manfred is actually to blame for the Twins being eliminated from the playoffs. Quarterback cesspool challenged. And Patrick Royce, all coming up in hour number two of Mackie and Judd with Rami on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. I don't really feel the need to because it's so delicious when it comes out on my hot dog. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. I want Jonathan Harrison's job. <laughs> I want his badge number and I want his job. And I don't mean tomorrow. I mean right now. Whoever you got to get, I don't care if they're on their way home, sitting in traffic while they're headed downtown. I don't care where they're going. I want the man's job right now. You will never work in this town again. At least maybe you will for United. That's it, though, Harrison. It's such a great clip, though. <laughs> Our number two, Becky and Judd with Rami. Yeah, laugh all you want. Uh, laugh all you want. Until it comes uh, back to bite you in the butt. ScoreNorth.com and the ScoreNorth mobile app. QB Cesspool Challenge coming up at 520. We'll all try and be the best at being the worst at picking quarterbacks. And we wrap with Royce at 540. Um, yes. How stupid is Rob Manfred? <laughs> like, I don't even no, know. He's not how a question you want an answer to. <laughs> I don't even know how else to start he, this conversation. He's not stupid. He thinks you're stupid. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. He thinks we're all dumb. He, do- he doesn't realize, like Richard Sherman didn't realize that there were 89 cameras <laughs> yes. pointed at him when he lied about shaking Baker Mayfield's hands. Rob Manfred apparently doesn't realize that there are legitimate scientists and physicists watching his game and measuring stuff to see what he's trying to change. Of course not. And they stopped using the juiced baseball in the postseason. Yes. This has been determined by science. It's all up at BaseballPerspectus.com. If you want to read the whole article and get into all the geeky, sciencey stuff, yep. it's all right there. I retweeted it. At Rami is tweeting if you're looking for an easy way to find it. and But the... The the meat of the matter is is this paragraph I'm about to read you right here. Mm-hmm. As far as the actual results that not using a juice baseball has yielded. In total, the model that they used to measure the drag on the baseball that there should have been 24 more home runs or so uh, so far in the playoffs than the 43 that were actually hit. An astounding 50% difference. For example, Max Muncy's monster blast referenced earlier in the article, had a 95% probability of clearing the fence based on the regular season baseball. Instead, it fell several feet short. Two other fly balls had in excess of a 98% chance of being home runs before becoming outs instead. How on earth do you use the same baseball? Now, if you have a problem with the baseball, I understand you have a problem with the baseball. Maybe you fixed that before last year. But how midstream, and as the calendar turns to October, do you, Rob Manfred, in all your infinite wisdom, decide now we're going to stop using the juice ball? And you probably decided this in June, back when you were lying before about saying, we own Rawlings, but I don't know what's up with this baseball. I mean, this is we're going to have to investigate this. You probably told your people right then, we're not going to change it for the regular season, but we're going to change it starting with the uh, division series. And so... They did. And this is, you know what? This is exactly like the Super Bowl that was played here. 
when they changed the catch rule. Yeah, Colin and, brought that up and earlier they did on it. Live. And they did it, and they didn't tell a soul, right? But they clearly changed it because all of a sudden things that were always overturned during the course of that regular season became catches. And so this is not stupid commissioners. This is just another sign of how little respect that leagues have for fans, how little they think fans actually care, and basically at the end of the day, probably how dumb they think we all are, and that we'll just be like, oh, I guess so. I, I, you know what? I guess the home runs are just down. I guess home runs are just up. I get, you know, and then, but for these guys to not just come out and say, like, okay, here's the deal. We juiced the ball. Yeah, it was too much. So we're going to we unjuice it. So we're going to unjuice the baseball right bit. now. You know, if you're forthcoming about it, I'm not saying that's that's the greatest thing, but at least then that's saying we all, you're going to find out. We know that. But I do love how football, and I mean, that's true of all sports, football and baseball and basketball, just all do these things, and they're like, ah, the fans won't care. And if they do care, they'll be too dumb to know. Or they just love us too much to go anywhere. But this one is an all-timer, right? It's because ridiculous. Because Manfred, if Manfred hadn't got up, and I think it was, no, I'm sorry, it was uh, July at the All-Star Game. Yeah, just if, before the All-Star if Game. If he hadn't got up there and been like, oh, I have no idea what's happened to the baseball, and we're going to investigate and look into this, despite the fact that, as uh, Verlander said at the time, you own the bleeping plant that makes the baseball. Mm-hmm. You're changing the baseball. You know exactly what you're doing. If he hadn't gone through all of those gymnastics, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. right? You know, good, good conversation here, right? But you could tell at the time he was completely lying. And now what I love is they've come back and been like, <laughs> Ooh, we juiced that baseball too much. Let's unjuice it. But we're not going to tell anybody about it. And to your point, as you just read, as if somebody wasn't going to say, okay, home runs are down. Let's take things into account and find out why. And it takes them how long? A week and a half? To do the math, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, but this is how sports leagues are. They have, sports leagues have, and I love sports, and I'm not going to stop because of this. Sports leagues have zero respect for us. They think we're dumb. They think we're naive. And they probably properly think that we will keep coming back to the trough of sports no matter how they treat us. What is he even trying to accomplish? Like you, you juiced the baseball because your thinking was people want to see home runs. This will get more people to watch my sport or keep more people interested in my sport. Now, all of a sudden, in the postseason, that philosophy has changed, and the thing that will get people to your sport is shorter games? Because that's the only reason you do this, this is to cut down on scoring, make games go faster. So what is There might it, be more to it than that, What though. is it exactly you're trying to accomplish, Rob Manfred? More offense and more home runs, or quicker pace of play and faster games? It especially what? doesn't make sense now that, like you said, it's in the postseason that they're doing this when more eyeballs more, are on your More sport. casual eyes. But they, decide, but they decided... That they had gone overboard. So what they're doing now is trying to correct it. But you don't change it going into the postseason when these teams who have who got there because of this juice ball, well, not because of it, but they've succeeded off of it all season long. Now you're going to change it on them. Uh, you do if the players association came back and said this was BS. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of why would the players? There's a lot of say that because because it's, it's also their ma- players made up of pitchers who get screwed. Oh, fair enough. And and the thing the thing is, I am willing to bet there are factors that we don't know that go into this entire thing. But we aren't important to them. And we never have been, and we never will be. We are, as I said, perceived as the people who will, probably properly so, go to the trough of sports and drink from it no matter what. So they do whatever the hell that they please. But I do, 
just once, I'd like a guy to say, yeah, you know what? We altered the baseball. It didn't work so well. So now we're going to alter it back a little bit without, you know, or we change the catch rule. We changed the catch rule. An entire season of, well, you juggled the ball, but I didn't juggle it that much. You juggled it enough. It's not a catch. Became, you juggled the ball. That's a touchdown. And then it, that played a big role with the, the absolutely. catch in that Super Bowl. It absolutely. In fact, I think if you go back to that game, I believe there were two touchdown catches that almost certainly would have not been touchdown catches during the course of the regular season that year. But by the last game, your championship game, your championship game, your most important game, they were like, let's change that. And this is the same thing. But for Manfred to get up in July and give us the song and dance, I don't know what happened to those balls. I mean, we're going to investigate this thoroughly. You're just lying through your teeth. Yeah. And between that and this whole NBA China thing, as they apparently seem to be kowtowing yeah, to a communi- a, an oppressive communist government who doesn't believe in freedom of speech, like it's a hard week to be a sports fan, man. And not, and not, the NBA thing, and not just be a total cynic about it baffles me. Well, you should be a the cynic. motives behind these <laughs> these leagues, but you should be a cynic. That's the right way to be because the the motives behind these leagues are all about the bottom line and keeping themselves as happy and as fat and rich as possible without giving a damn about anything else. The the NBA thing is super disturbing, though, because th- this is supposedly a really well-run league. And for the most part, this is the league that does things, I wouldn't say ethically right, but does things right. But this one? I mean, the Houston Rockets GM is is under attack, basically, because he came out and said... Something that even the league is like, well, we can't really fire you for saying that because you're not wrong, but yet we might lose millions of, or who knows how much. So we're really not happy about it. Think, think about the TV deals like one and a half billion in China. Think about the quandary they've created, though. Yeah. But you have no choice. I mean, if you have any morals whatsoever yes. as 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 an entity the nba's headed up by adam silver and this goes down, this trickles down to the players too who have taken it upon themselves to speak up on social injustice mm-hmm. you can't only speak up on social injustice when it's social injustice that's happening to people who are in your demographic and therefore make you money you can't only stand up for a cause when it lines your pockets with cash that's th- because now if they continue, and Adam Silver came out and said, like, we support Daryl Morey's freedom of speech. Because he has to. But ever since then, yes. the NBA has been trying to silence anybody who speaks up on this, including protesters. Was it at an Oklahoma City Thunder game? I, th- I believe no, it was that's a what, Washington that, Wizards game. And then. I don't, I don't want to get the facts wrong, but they kicked out protesters who were just. 76ers game. That's right. They were yeah. holding up signs that said Free Hong Kong and they were chanting Free Hong Kong in a basketball game. They weren't disturbing anybody by any, by, by most reports. They were just in the stadium and protesting. If you back down now and kowtow to China, it cheapens every cause that you've supported in the past. And because now it just looks like you only supported those causes because they were causes that appealed to young people and African Americans yep. who happened to watch your sport and buy your products more than anyone else. Yep. No question about it. But you should be. This is why when it comes to sports, I am all for be a cynic. You should be. You should always assume there is there is never and 
I don't necessarily say this team by team for sure, but I will say this about every league. There's never a time that you should assume that the league is doing the right thing for the right reason, ever. These leagues do not care about people. Sports by their nature. Listen, how can I put this? Sports by their very essence are about hurting people on purpose. You get too old, you're done. And by too old, I mean you're 32, 33. You're done. You're through. That That's why I said sports, the starting point of professional sports is it's a league, it's leagues built on one fundamental principle that in the rest of life you can be sued for age discrimination. Age discrimination is how sports operate. All right. I don't care about that personally. It has to, but that's the starting point. So there's no point, there's no point in time where you should look ever look at a sports league and say, I think that they've got the good of of anybody in particular or anything in their hearts or minds. Now, this does not mean that we can't look and say, wow, they make billions of dollars. That's impressive, because that is true. But they do it by being completely cutthroat. They do it. Why does Roger Goodell still have a job? Baffles me. But you know why he does? Because the TV deals continue to Mm -hmm. increase. Because the money continues to flow in. I think you could put a monkey in a suit in Goodell's office. I agree. I agree with you. But post-Ray Rice, the fact that this man was not instantly fired... Any self-respecting organization that didn't basically not give a damn about people would have fired him instantly. You think that the league didn't have their hands on, on, on the tape that TMZ got? Of course they did. Do you think they didn't lie themselves? They lied themselves silly on that, right? But he kept his job. There was no case for Roger Goodell to keep his job at that time other than one thing. He, A, is dangerous. Because if you fire him, he knows where all your bodies are buried, so he can talk. And number two, he he has continued to get the money, the TV deals, all of those things. Now, Silver, I thought until now, well, I think he's smart still. But until now, I thought, yeah, he seems pretty ethical. But of course he's not. This thing with China is disgusting. And, and good for Daryl Morey for backing these guys into a complete corner in which I think they're pretty screwed now. But they they deserve this exactly because if they had any respect for what's going on here, they would just say Daryl Morey's right, and we got to get out of here. And by the way, you know who's in deeper than, than even the NBA is one of the NBA's partners, ESPN. Yeah, they are, and ESPN is owned by Disney. Yep. And did you guys see the South Park episode about all mm-hmm. this China stuff yep. happening? It's great. First of all, it's awesome, and they do what they do, which is make great social commentary and explain stuff to us in a hilarious and cartoonish way, both yes. figuratively and literally. And they don't care about ramifications. They do, they've been banned in China, but a lot of the episode focuses on Disney, who, like I said, owns ESPN and owns ABC. ESPN this morning put a picture up on their screen of a map of China mm-hmm. with nine dashed lines below below the country of China on said map. And that's that's something that only China does. They, they're they the only ones who show that map, and those nine dashes mean that they have control, governmental control, over the islands and sovereign states that are in those nine dashes. And ESPN today basically towed that line of an oppressive communist government. So that begs the question to me of, 
if Disney owns ESPN and ESPN is kowtowing while broadcasting sports, Disney also owns ABC, who reports real news. I don't watch ABC News. I don't really watch a lot of news because it's just depressing and most of it is really not all that useful. It's just people screaming their own opinions and not really telling us what's going on. But I, I gotta wonder now, what is, how is ABC covering this whole China thing? Like, this goes so deep, dude. It's ridiculous. We're basically, a lot of our media is becoming an extension of Chinese state-run television. That a, a lot of a lot of our media well, entities are kowtowing and folding to their standards and their censorship. If there's money to be made, very very few, and we're not talking millions, we're talking billions. If there is money to be made consistently, these networks and leagues are not going to say, ah, you know what, let's just pull the plug there. They're not going to, and. It's why the best thing, as I said before, the best thing I think that you can do going into this is to be cynical because sports are fun to watch. These leagues are fun and they certainly have players with great talents, but they're never, they're never about doing the right thing. They're about doing the thing that's going to make them the ultimate most. And if they have to go through people left and right to get there, they'll do it in a heartbeat. Speaking of not trying to do the right thing, the actual point of quarterback cesspool challenge is to do the wrong thing, is to pick the worst quarterback. And somebody had a real good week last week at doing that. I don't. I, I know I didn't do well. Somebody had. We'll do. We'll get to it. Did you win? Do you know? Well, save it. No spoilers. I'm not, I'm not, no, spoilers. I'm not spoiling anything. I'm. I'm just happy right now. We'll also wrap with Royce coming up at five forty. But quarterback cesspool challenge next on Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on fifteen hundred scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. It's hard being a quarterback in the NFL. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. Each week. Mackie, Judd, and Rami look for the worst of the worst quarterback performances. The interceptions. Intercepted! What is going on tonight? The strip sacks. And the ball's out again! And the Bills recovered again! The ineptitude. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful. It's the quarterback cesspool challenge on Score North. And that's the fifth interception today. Where we try and pick the worst quarterback performance of that week in the NFL. And uh, we haven't started yet, but whoever finishes last, which means the best QBR, we're going to have to serve out some punishments here at some point. We've been. Yeah, when are we going to start that? Mackie has a spreadsheet where he's been compiling ideas for punishments for us all to serve. We've got to start doing it because we're getting backed up here. We've yeah. already got five yeah, losers. Yeah, we got so. five. We're week six already. Yeah, I exactly. believe I, after this week, will have two. Yes. I've got two. Two, pen- two punishments to serve. Mm-hmm. Before we get into this week's picks, Jonathan, how did we do last week? All right, so you mentioned it there. Rami, you came in last because you picked Derek Carr, who was going up against the Bears. Probably should have had the worst game of the of the week out of all the quarterbacks, but he had the best game, yeah. getting a 65.7 QBR. So you finish last there. You get your second loss of the season. Next up was Phil Mackey. Joe Flacco had a 34.1 on the day, so Phil finishes third. Next up would be me, 23.6 for Marcus Mariota, and that means our winner this week is Judd Zolgad. Look at you. The test of time as a backup quarterback in the NFL, but this performance on Sunday sealed the deal on his head coach's job security. What we don't want to do here, Richard, is turn it over. Lawrence, that would ruin my day. Good I think we got a good thing going now. 9-7 the score. Why would you even two. suggest that? 
Of course, coach, we don't want to turn it off. I'm laying it out there for you, Cooley. We're all trauma victims. Come on, Larry. Paul McCoy, the shotgun, two receivers right, two to the left. Colt over the middle. It is intercepted. Mm. It is intercepted mm. right over the middle. Mm. That amazing. is Jason McCarty threw it right into his stomach. How do you feel now? Colt McCoy's 20.3 QBR against the Patriots makes Judd this week's QB cesspool challenge winner. That is amazing. That's a great call. And Manny dropped me the stat that that is the third week in a row a McCourty has been the interception highlight for QB cesspool challenge. Wow, that's amazing. So three weeks in a row, the Patriots have been the team to pick against. I'm assuming Mackie sent you his pick for the week? Yep, Mackie sent me his pick, so right. Rami, you will draft first, I go then first. it's Phil, then it's me, then it's Judd. This is a risky pick by me, because I don't know necessarily that this guy is going to play, but I, I can't imagine Mason Rudolph. He's been practicing, but still in concussion protocol. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We need out of Phil music. I can't imagine Mason Rudolph is going to play this Sunday. So Why? Well, he just got his bell wrong. I'm go- I'm going with Devlin Hodges, his backup. Who? For those of you who don't know, Devlin Hodges. Who he is? The you quarter- can keep saying. We're going to keep saying. He's who. the third string undrafted practice squad quarterback who has okay. uh, been backing up Mason Rudolph since Ben Roethlisberger went down, and I think he gets to start this week. Also, Mike Tomlin might have had a little Freudian slip when asked if he was interested in the Washington head coaching job, and he said, "I I'm going to Washington." with my third-string quarterback to play against a Hall of Fame-caliber quarterback. Nah, I'm not really thinking about that right now. So I think he let the cat out of the bag that Mason Rudolph is not going to play oh, this I got, Sunday. Okay, I got you. And Devlin Hodges will. And so I'm going Devlin Hodges with my pick for Week 6. All right, so next up is Mackey. He sent me his two options because he knew he was drafting second. So he had two just in case you picked one of them, but you didn't. All right. So he's going the smart choice and going for the fourth week in a row the quarterback facing the Patriots will be chosen here. Daniel Jones is Phil Mackey's pick. I like it. Who was his second pick? Uh, Marcus curiosity. Mariota. That's the other one I was considering going with. Mackey and I are on the same wavelength. All right. John, See, I, I believe. Uh, no, nope. oh, you're no, up Jonathan Harrison. I can't choose Marcus Mariota because I chose him last week. So in honor of that, I will choose the guy who has the 29th ranked QBR this season among all quarterbacks. Andy Dalton going against the Ravens this week. All right. Who are the Titans playing? Uh, the Broncos. Broncos are bad, but Mariota is awful. I, I don't not taking him yet, have I, Jonathan Harrison? Uh, you have not. You want to know the quarterbacks you've chosen? Sure. That's I'm sure it's a who's who of great quarterbacks. It really, really is. Name Eli it. Manning, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, Mitchell Trubisky, and Colt McCoy. Marcus Mariota. I'm so jealous that you got Fitzpatrick before I could. But I don't think I I didn't win. No, you didn't. No. I think you beat you me. You lost because of Trevor Simeon's 1.4. <laughs> yeah, because he got hurt early. Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick I don't, I don't, had a 3.8. I don't like you guys. I don't talk about this anymore. It was amazing. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, I can't say how I feel about it because I so, would be violating FCC laws. But. Who's got the dump button? So in the four weeks, Jonathan, oh. I know I've lost twice. I've mm-hmm. lost twice. Judd has lost twice. Jonathan's lost once, right? Yep, Phil, I've Phil lost Phil is yet to lose. Phil's finished second once and finished third so four he has, times. He has no penalties. But he's serve. mediocre. Yeah. Like he's not, but he's perfectly average in this. It's he's more never won. Either. It's more fun. To, it's more fun to pinball back and forth like we're doing. So I've won three times, finished second once, and finished fourth once. Judd, you fin- you've won once, finished second twice, and finished fourth twice. Like we said, Phil's finished second once, finished third four times. Rami, you've done every single standing you can do. 
once finished first, <laughs> once finished second, once finished third, and twice have finished fourth. I'm really dreading these punishments. I've made it way too easy for people to find. You my, have. My, You've made it the easiest of all of us. and worst fears. Well, your fear of bathrooms them. makes you so, it's so easy By the to way, get you. Last week, Luke Falk became the first quarterback this season to finish as the actual worst quarterback of the week when he registered a 1.9 against the Eagles. Wow. Wow. Sam Darnold is going to start this week, right? Uh, I believe he will be, yes. And I... I was very close to picking he him, might but be I want to save pick. him for later in the season. He might be a good pick. Now, now, didn't he come out last week and say that he was, because there was talk he was practicing, there was talk mm-hmm. he was going to play, and I think he came out and said, my only fear is I could die because yeah. my spleen's enlarged. <laughs> I love football. Again, it's ama- how it's much just... do we worry about human beings? My <laughs> spleen's don't. enlarged, I could die. And we're all thinking, well, yeah, but you got to play football. But you're being paid, man. Yeah, play come on. Football. I want to take you in the quarterback cesspool <laughs> challenge, Sam. Salt. With an A-W. Yeah, but Salt. you didn't pick him. No, I did not. You could have. I thought about it. I thought so about Sam I. Darnold this week. Who else was on the list? Went against it. By the way, Judd, you brought up my uh, the phobias that haunt me in the bathroom. Yeah, it's really uh, weird. We talked about that extensively on the Mackie and Judd uh, Happy Hour podcast, live from Stella's Fish Cafe, brought to you by Tullamore Dew up there in Uptown. And uh, it got interesting. If You can go and listen to it at scoredorth.com or the Scoredorth mobile app. That was... That was. I offered you some good advice on how to overcome bladder shyness. You did. You did. You gave me. You sh- shared some, some alcohol. With me. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's usually how. Nope. That's, how you do that's it. usually that's Judd's answer for everything, but not Generally, for this. Not this. What one. was the answer? You gotta go listen. Go oh. listen if you want to find out. I'm not do that. Come on, Jonathan. No. And why wouldn't you go listen to it? It's really good. That's what you call a big league tease. Thank you. It was like it was weird, but good. good work, I, I, I had a really good time. <laughs> Have you used that advice? <laughs> uh, he, no, it turned yet. out he's already got his own. I got a trick. trick. I got my own. Which trick. you can also find out on the telling uh, everybody and locking the, the bathroom door. Pod- no, the Mackie and Judd Happy Hour podcast. Yeah, quit trying to get the answers from us, dude. We're not going <laughs> to give them to you. Go or the Score North mobile app and listen. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, wrap with Royce. Mackey and Judd with Rami. Score North on 1500 and the Score North mobile app. Bill Mackey here. Now, I've been talking about the new lineup of award-winning TCL TVs with superior 4K picture quality and Dolby Vision. And now, TCL has new sound bars. The TCL Alto soundbar, simple to set up, and with available wireless subwoofers, TCL creates a truly immersive viewing and listening experience. The TCL Alto soundbars provide precision playback, for any TV, and they play music from smartphones and laptops. TCL brings you excellent picture quality, sleek design, and stunning resolution, and now the TCL Alto soundbars deliver superb sound all at an affordable cost. The TCL Roku TV has endless entertainment with easy access to over a half million TV episodes and movies and thousands of streaming channels. I experience TCL daily with the TVs in the Scorner Studios. Everything looks great, but sports look especially amazing. TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand and available at major retailers everywhere. Learn more at TCLUSA.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can join Dan Tarek, Helen Williams, Kendra Dacenabin, Jamie Watson, and myself on Sunday, October 20th for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs live from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. And with the Vikings taking on the Eagles this weekend, Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, has seemed to have found a way to have success against Mike Zimmer's defense. Here's what he said when asked what the keys are to having success against Mike Zimmer's defense. 
you know, I think I think one, you know, this is a it's an aggressive style of play, meaning the front four guys really really get after the passer, uh, being able to protect Carson not only on first and second down, but he's got an ex, you know a pretty extensive blitz package on third down and, and how he can rush unique ways of rushing the passer on third down. So being able to protect protect Carson, and then I think I think the other key really is is you have to you got to be positive on on your plays have got to be positive on first down, and and so it's an area that we kind of struggled at the beginning of the season. We've gotten better here recently, but staying ahead of those chains, keeping yourself in, in, in second and shorter distances where you're going to get that first down and, and stay on the field. Try to, the best you can, eliminate as many third and long situations against this defense, uh, against his, his scheme, and those give you a chance to, to possibly win. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to the final segment today of Mackie and Jodeth Rami. Doug, so quit rambling. Time to wrap <laughs> with Royce on Mackie oh, and Jodeth Rami. shut up! And there is Patrick Royce. Pat, did you see that they stopped uh, using the juiced ball in October? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say I'm really shocked that Doug Peterson hopes to gain more yards on first down. Uh, I'm never going <laughs> to suggest that before. What the hell? Who put the nickel in him? God almighty, he's saying the same thing. What's the mean they have used the, uh, stopped using the, uh, the regular season baseball? Uh, and certainly the Dodgers dugout would agree with that, the way they were jumping around when Will Smith hit that ball to right center. Although, I will say on the other side, but I did not think Holly Kendrick hit that ball that good to center field. So uh, maybe maybe we got a mixture. Maybe there's... We got maybe we old got balls, new, new balls? Maybe we got the new, new, the double new ones that they're going to use next year when they try to reduce the home runs. And then the, uh, I think an old one slipped in there for Howie's uh, game winner because that ball really had a lot of glory to center. But uh, the, the, the uh, I think Will Smith thought he won the game and uh, when he hit that ball to right center, and certainly the Dodger bench did. Now, I'm very happy. I like to see the Dodgers go, especially when a manager screws up as badly as Dave Roberts mm-hmm. did last night. God, you guys better. You know, the only thing, that the only option he did not uh, miss on last night was bringing in Cody Stashak when the game was What the hell was that? That was unbelievable that he would, uh, you know, okay, Joe Kelly looked marvelous for one inning. Now get Chandler in the game. Yes, that was uh, that was brutal. And uh, but I'm I was uh, rooting for the now. So uh, you know the uh, the uh, Washington, uh, the city of D.C. has not had a uh, has not been in the World Series since 1933. Now uh, 33 of those years they didn't have a team, but it's still uh, you know they've only. The Griffiths were there 60 years. They only played in three World Series and. Uh, and so it's uh, pretty fantastic. You know what else is fantastic? The Dodgers now have not been in the World Series in the last 30 seasons and 31 years. And won what? Eight, seven or eight consecutive well, I mean, no, I mean, titles, right? They have right? not won a World Series. Yeah, they have not won a World right. Series in 31 years. They've been in two in a row. Right. I screwed that up, but they haven't won one in 31 years. We look at them as this uh, mighty franchise, and they certainly uh, did. By the way, they I looked it up because somebody said there aren't that many Dodger fans on Twitter or some dumbhead. And I looked it up. They were 27,000 short of 4 million this year. They, were, they had their biggest attendance ever. So. Dave has to get – Dave Dave has to be relieved of his duties, right, Patrick? I mean, this is – that. 
That thing last night was a managerial. I mean, what he was doing, to your point, was to me, if I'm the GM, if I'm Friedman, I say, all right, you know what? Seen enough. No, I don't think so. I, really? I, I mean, he's he's won too many games, and uh, you know he screwed up a game, but uh, I, I don't think he gets fired. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, he's, you know, he's had questionable pitching decisions. Well, all you have to do is say, uh, Dave, uh, talk to your pitching coach a little more before you make. Let's have a vote in the playoffs whether we're going to make these pitching changes or not. Let's uh, let's have a bench coach and the pitching coach have a vote too, so they can overrule you two to one. I think like uh, probably like uh, Shelton and West Johnson can have with uh, with Sirocco. Uh, I don't know if Dave. Uh, yeah, he was. He had a bad uh, bad night, but I no, I don't think he'll lose his job. My God, he won 107 games. That would be uh, that would be an all time. Uh, that would be an all timer to fire a guy who wins 107 games. The thing that was confusing about it to me, uh, Pat, was last year he basically said analytics is making my lineup when he sat all his left handers and some of his best hitters, and this year he throws Clayton Kershaw out there and he goes. Yeah, that wasn't an analytics thing. That was more just my gut and believing in a guy who's been there and done it before. It it doesn't add up. Well, oh, well, no, it's, it's but it's you know, coaches, managers, they all you know they. Do you expect them to tell you the truth? That's uh, God Almighty. Uh, yeah, I keep making that mistake. You're right. They all they all, uh, they all end up uh, trying to explain what happened by whatever is the most convenient thing to say at the moment there. There's not, uh, and there's not great sincerity in most of what any of these guys say. Rays or Astros tonight, Patrick Royce? Well, you gotta like the Astros, but uh, if the Rays get up two to nothing, you can, you'll be able to hear the uh, pucker <laughs> up with the Astros from this distance, won't you? Oh, Absolutely. But it'd be great fun to see. Well, it would, but uh, they, uh, yeah, do you really want all those uh, executives of the various networks to be leaping out of windows? <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, the one thing they've had to sell for baseball uh, all season long has been the Astros versus Yankees, right? And uh, you know, they, uh, they, they could then go from Oh, uh, probably the best uh, ratings that they've had for playoff baseball in uh, in uh, years. Uh, you know, the Cubs obviously gave them some good ratings in the Red Sox, but uh, this would be uh, you could you could either have a monumental rating. You've already lost Los Angeles. I I don't think they could take losing this Houston team. So we'll see. What's Houston now? About the fifth biggest city in the country, fourth or fifth biggest city in the country. Yeah, that's probably right in there. Tampa's, Tampa's excited because they sold twenty nine thousand seats for a, you know, for a playoff games three and four. Go Lightning, Pat. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Go oh, Lightning. It is the Lightning. I, I did say that. I said that the pucker factor is interesting. I mean, sports world is good, isn't it? Tampa Bay Lightning last year worst pucker up in the history of sports. They they blow a three zero lead in game one and they're dead. Yep, they're done. And now, uh, now the now the uh, the, uh, the the baseball, the unappreciated baseball team across the uh, across Clearwater uh, Sound there is uh, is uh, got the pucker, fa- pucker factor working in their sh- in their f- favor. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun tonight if it stays closed for a while.
Pat, more that excited. Glassnow, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Glassnow throws that Glassnow throws good. Dude. He's uh, he's not good, so he could hold those boys down for a while. George Springer is terrible. He's, yep. He's uh, he's he's one of those Miguel did in that series. So what were you going to say, sir? I was going to ask more excited about the Wild home opener this weekend or the Timberwolves opening up the preseason. Thanks, Rob. Well, I, uh, I can't wait to see the new, uh, the all new offense in uh, the group that emphasized misses, miss threes. We'd rather miss threes than make twos. Long rebounds. You're missing the point. Long <laughs> rebounds. That's right. Slogan. Very, very modern. Uh, very modern. Uh, eight for thirty-one on threes. Uh, we we're going to keep shooting them, even though our shooters stink. Right. And uh, the other thing they've done is make. Carl Tom, Carl Anthony Towns, who have has if he's got a big problem, it's being soft. So they're going to let him become softer by going out and playing twenty five feet away from the basket. That's a good idea. He's running this they're team now. Be, uh, oh yeah, he, he runs the team. Well, that's because he's only making one hundred ninety five million. So you know, they got to do something to keep him happy. Don't worry. He's not going to be that upset if they go 30 and 52 as long as he never has to get within eight feet of Rudy Gobert. He'll be happy. <laughs> hey, and if he's happy, that's all they're going to care about. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Boys are going to be lonely, though, because the wild think they have, uh, you know, ticket problems. It's going to be, there's going to be, there's the Timberwolves. It's a disaster, and they don't want to admit it. But, uh, What's their season ticket base at? Do you know? Have you heard? I don't know, but they lost quite. They came off that playoff season, and, and they try to blame the Butler mess. But uh, I think it was the ticket increases, and now now they're trying to charge the same amount of money to go see our new fine Jake Lehman. He's, uh, you know, he couldn't get off the bench in Portland, but he's a ball. I used to see how good this guy is. He's fantastic. So I think it's a. Uh, I think the whole uh, the whole thing is uh, you know they're back to rebuilding, isn't that good? We we do that, uh, you know. You you have a you try, you fail, and then you rebuild again. And you got five more years, and it's uh, it's got to be one of the uh, worst franchises in the history of American sports, right here. So. Probably true. All right, Royce, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Pat. See you. Goodbye. We'll talk about the Vikings game tomorrow. Wrapping with Something much happier. Royce, Patrick Royce. The way that the Vikings are going to try and beat Philadelphia on Sunday. That's going to be happier? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the injury report now? You're, you're right you guard, were telling me about it. Your right guard, Klein, has yet to practice, and now the um, uh, Bradbury, your starting center, added with, I believe, a shoulder, sat out practice today. So right now you might not have your starting center, which you know I mean okay he he's not played well, but what Brent Jones would start in his place, and if you don't have your right guard, Dakota Dozier would start there. You're talking about an Eagles defensive line that is really really good. Uh, you don't play fantasy football, do you? No, Jeff? I quit. I quit twenty years ago, or no, I quit seventeen years ago. I quit seventeen years ago. I used to be way into it, and then I I realized when I was covering teams that you basically can't watch the rest of the league as closely. And so my knowledge of the league actually decreased as I covered teams and went to all, you know, for two years Packer games, and now for the last, what, 14 years Vikings games. Did you see the story about uh, Gardner Minshew, his his fantasy football team? 
No. So they were talking. He's they, a great character, though. ESPN did an interview with Trey Polk, who uh, is a friend of Minshew's going back to high school. And they talked about, like, how he's a savant when it comes to football. Minshew And, yeah, and, like, seeing things happen before they happen and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And this applies to his fantasy team, too. So he drafted a team. Yeah. And then saw some things happening and saw and apparently saw in his crystal ball what was going to happen and then basically completely overhauled and redraft and basically redrafted his team via free agency. So he cut guys. This is this is an excerpt. He must have known something about Melvin Gordon and he worked out with Josh Jacobs and liked what he saw. So he took him, took the Patriots defense, grabbed Austin Eckler. Bottom line, he redrafted like his whole team and he's tied for first place. He just sees the game in a different way. Here's an interesting little factoid. Gardner Minshew in his own fantasy football league, free agent. <laughs> he's not on a team. So you can't so players can't bet on Football, but they can play fantasy football. Apparently, yes. Okay, sure. Because now the NFL is in bed with uh, Go Roger Goodell. More corruption in the world of sports. Yeah, Mackie and Judd with Rami. We're pure. Bye. And we're on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Three inches at a time. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan Leaf. It can move racing forward and take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.